Welcome to the Uncommonly Made Podcast, where we bring people together to create connections and build relationships. My name is Carrie Savaya, and I am your host. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for listening to the Uncommonly Made Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of bringing you Brianna Morse. Brianna is someone I found on Instagram, actually. Her energy just resonated with me so much, and I started following her, and we started messaging each other, and I feel that her message and the way that she approaches therapy and coaching is necessary for all to hear. So her background is very well um, diverse. And she had to go through some lows to get to some highs to be where she is today. So the conversation that you're about to listen to goes through her rise to where she is now from college up until today, along with how she really just had a calling to live outside the box. And that really resonated with me. I initially brought her on to talk about how to set boundaries and maintain boundaries, but it really turned into a nice organic conversation running the gamut of different areas of just mental well-being. So I hope you enjoy this program today with Brianna Morse as we discuss all things mental well-being, mental health, and calling into your heart versus living all up in your head. Enjoy the episode. Well, hello, Brianna. This is just so exciting for me to be able to talk with you after stalking you on social media for so long. (laughs) I'm so glad to have you in my basement office, and I'm looking forward to not only getting to know you more myself, but also introducing you to people who might not yet follow you on Instagram. So yeah, I would love for you to give me a little bit of an intro to kind of who you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. I'm excited to to be on here. It's been a while since I've been a guest on a podcast. So I love sharing my story, as you know, and, you know, just using my story as a way to motivate and inspire and help people transform the way that they're seeing themselves, you know, so that's just a huge thing for me. Um, So I, um, I was raised on a farm in Idaho. I got recruited to play volleyball in college. And so I went to South, uh, Southern California. Um, so I played volleyball for four years and then went into my master's program, um, to study psychology. Ironically enough, if I look back on my life, there have been so many things that shift my decision to do something, even though it felt like I wanted to do the thing before the shift came. So when I went into my bachelor's level um, schooling, I wanted to get a psychology degree, degree, <clears throat> and I completely flunked Psych 101. Like I just I didn't get it. There was something about it that didn't feel good for me. I didn't like the teacher. I was also you know first year out of being at home, living in the dorms, playing volleyball, no social life. 9/11 hit, so it was like an accumulation of things. Yeah. And, um, and so I changed my major to teaching. And so after I graduated, I started working at a residential treatment center for kids, um, you know, kids that were, uh, uh, wards of the state, um, pulled out of their home because of the aggression that they have right before being put into psych hospital or juvenile hall. So these were like heavy hitter kids with deep stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, Ooh, I found my people. Like, I just love, I wanted these kids to teach me, like, I don't know what your life is. I want to know all about it. And then I want to be your voice. So that's when I went back and got my master's in psychology. Um, and I knew from the start that I always wanted to have a private practice because as I started to get into community mental health and, um, get into, you know, the micromanaging and the rules and all the paperwork, it was like, this doesn't fit for me. Like I, I just want to serve the kids. I just want to be for the kids. Um, and so I, I, I had a private practice for, and I still have one, 
Um, it's just smaller and obviously remote, but I had a private practice and office for six years in Ventura, California. Um, my niche was families who had adopted children from overseas. Um, and then that 10 to 16 year old demographic of, of children and families. So, you know, anxiety, depression, bipolar, uh, you know, a lot of attachment stuff. So I, that's my jam is like attachment based therapy, relationship based therapy. Um, and I, uh, was married at the time and my husband came home. We were kind of rocky, but I never expect him to come home and say, yeah, I'm done. So I was like, Oh, that happened. Okay. Well, you know, after two weeks of begging on my hands and knees and trying to make this thing work, I just in the past am very good at running away from like the heavier problems. And so it was like survival mode. Brianna kicked in and was like, I need to get out of here as fast as I can. And I need to start over so that I can live life again. Cause this isn't going to work for me in this area. Mm-hmm. So I moved all the way across the country to South Carolina uh, with my two dogs and one of my bestest friends drove with me out here. Um, So we made like an extended road trip and um, settled right outside of Greenville. And when was that? When when was the move? 2017. So I've been in South Carolina for almost five years now, which is crazy. Um, But when I moved out, like I had everything in alignment. I had this awesome house kind of in the country. I had already submitted all my paperwork to get my license transferred and boom, I get the letter the day before I'm supposed to leave that South Carolina didn't want to give me reciprocity for my license. Mm. So I'm already, my stuff's being shipped. Everything's gone. And I'm like, I can't even work, you know? And that started the snowball effect of, you know, I appealed, I did what I needed to do, but they were not, I need, they wanted me to make up classes. I just, I wasn't going to do it. So I started coaching. Um, and it's interesting because I, I fell into the niche of like the health and wellness area first. Cause it was like, okay, how am I going to attract people to work with me as quick as possible? Well, everybody wants to lose weight. So that's where I'm going to start. Mm-hmm. So I used all my attachment work and relationship based work to go from that back end with women on that relationship they have with food, with their self, with exercise in order to help them start losing weight in a, you know, more, um, you know, present and, aware way versus using all of the diet culture rules. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what I found over time over that first two years of doing that was like every single one of my clients was exactly the same. They were some type of high achiever, whether they were a mother or just a wife or a girlfriend or single, it didn't matter. If they were high achievers. They either owned a business were climbing up the corporate ladder in their job, were like juggling 2,500 things at once. And it was far deeper than just like food, you know, what you could see. So that's when I started to really shift my niche in my mindset coaching to really working with these high achievers, overachievers, women in business. Um, I see men, I've got a small group of men that I see, um, but predominantly it's, it's women who are just, there's this feeling that something is missing and they can't quite put their finger on it, but they know they're not living to their happiest, most fulfilled life. But if you were to look at the picture of their life, like there's so many great things happening. And that was me. Mm. That was me in so many ways. Like, even though my marriage wasn't the greatest, there were things within it that were awesome that I couldn't see because I wanted more and I wanted better. And I wanted all these other things, right? Because, you know, I played a part in our marriage, not working. That's just how it works. Um, but when I moved to South Carolina, same thing, like I had a lot of great things happening, but yet I wanted more and I wanted more. And there's always something missing. And come to find, you know, through my own therapy and, and my own coaching and a lot of my own personal and professional growth is, you know, our brain is actually trained to constantly want more, but we're so disconnected from our internal 
cravings and desires that we never meet those. We're constantly chasing all of the outside validation and outside needs. Yes. So that's that balance that, you know, when we're talking about balance, like that's the balance that I really help my clients find because I get it when it's like, I just feel stuck. Like, I feel like there's something missing. I know I should be doing more. I know that like, there's something that is bigger than where I'm at right now. It's like, yeah, those words came out. of my mouth. I think it's so fascinating how we really are all very similar. The, the container is different, but what's going on internally can very much be compared down the line as going back to maybe attachment issues, going back to maybe ways that people feel seen and loved uh, being impacted, and then how that plays out in their day-to-day life is that story where we're, we're all doing different things. We're all unique. We're all built individually, but yet those core things are impacting us in similar ways. 100%. And you attracted what you were. You attracted the clients that were who you were. Yeah. Yeah. I love that when, when those things align and you can really see the synchronicities and then that kind of opened you up to now you have a very functional and thriving coaching business. It looks like. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I, there's the ups and downs of it that happen with any personal business. We all have those like lulls and those moments, but overall, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful one to have a career that I can, you know, I'm in Kansas right now. I can do it from anywhere. And that's one thing that I knew when I started my private practice and something I shared on a post I did a while ago where I always knew that I didn't fit into all the boxes and I was raised in the church. My family's super Christian and I never really fit into those boxes all the way. And then when I went into, uh, my first, um, intern job, I had one of my first tattoos. Well, I had to cover it up. Right. And so I didn't fit into that professional box. Um, and then when I started this mindset or if I started my private practice, although I loved my office space, I was so close to the beach. I was constantly like, Hey kiddo, let's go walk down to the beach. We're going to meet outside. Cause I didn't, I've, I've never wanted to be confined all of the way. I wanted to have this opportunity to use what's in my space as part of what's going to allow me to see better and feel better and think better. So when this coaching, you know, thing started happening and I was able to go places and never cancel clients and stuff because I made my vacation a vacation while I could still see some clients, like it was like, okay, I've, this is the bread and butter. This is how it's supposed to be for me, you know? Yeah. So it's been awesome. Super awesome. What do you think was the catalyst that allowed you to be able to see that that shift was possible that that while the world or society maybe wanted to try and put you in the box when you were able to really see that you didn't have to be in it, not so much that you were rebelling against the box, but I actually can thrive and live outside of this box and love myself in the process. What was that pivotal moment for you? A failed relationship. Yeah. (laughs) What happened was, is in 2019, I, uh, I had just ended a relationship that I was in, um, that just, it wasn't healthy for me. And I took, um, well, that was in 2018. So I took all of 2019 and I spent it by myself. A lot of the time I, I spent it (laughs) fits. Sorry. That might happen. That's totally okay. (laughs) Um, I spent, no, um, so I spent a lot of 2019 really getting to know myself, not the self that I was trying to be in the relationship I was in, not the self that I was trying to be in my marriage, not the self I was trying to be as a licensed therapist, not the self I was trying to be for my parents and what they wanted me to be. Like I really finally at 37 years old, realized that I was the only important person that needed to shine her light. And that was it. So I did a lot of, you know, of my own quality time. 
And I think what I realized from that was how much I was missing myself and that, that opportunity to just invest that time in me saying no more, um, going to bed early, picking up hobbies like painting. Not that I did that, but my friend who I live with is a painter. And and so she taught me some things and, and learning new skills, playing the guitar, just starting to just build myself up in a way. And then taking that out and being like, okay, well now I'm going to, I'm going to go to Austin. That's what I'm going to go to Austin. I'm going to go to Florida. I'm going to go to Maryland. Like I just started going places and being able to travel by yourself, especially as a woman carries so much more power than we ever know until we do it. So these road trips that I started to go on and this time I spent by myself and not worrying about who was trying to contact me, like it, it gave me this new sense of how much more there is for me to experience when I'm out of my head and like truly into my heart. Mm -hmm. You're embodying who you are now. Mm -hmm. I love that. What yeah. it, I mean, it's so hard to go through hard things. You know, it's challenging when things don't go the way that they're supposed to or the way you want them to or the failed relationship or when something has to really blow up in order for that diamond to shine. And I know that can be really, really hard. I actually just posted a quote on social media that was like, people finally just get fed up with their own shit. And that's when <laughs> transformation happens. And while that's so true, I would love to see more people not wait till shit blows up. I totally agree. Right? Like, let's just choose to live the life that we're, that calls our heart forward. And, and so, yeah, I feel like that's a really big um, part of my growth in the last year. And and you're speaking so much to Mm -hmm. me. And I think that a lot of the women that I am around are very much like me in those ways. We attract kind of what we embody. So that's not a surprise, but. Well, isn't it hard though? Because I feel like we've been so conditioned to unite pain with suffering. So we can't get out of it until we've suffered versus, oh, this feels painful or uncomfortable. I should do something different. It's no, I'm going to keep trying or I can put up with this or this isn't this bad until it gets worse. And then deciding, okay, this is too much. So it's like, I would love for us as a collective to stop validating suffering as a reason for having to set a boundary or leave or stop or change something and instead look at connecting to the pain and what the feeling is and then making a decision from there to decide this isn't how I want to feel now. I'm going to go away or I'm going to separate myself or I'm going to say no or I'm going to change something. And then if you want to go back to it and it's still there, fine, but at least you haven't suffered in that decision of it. You've just gone straight to the emotion. Yes. It's almost like we're voluntarily choosing to suffer when we could be empowered enough to make the decision to not, but it doesn't mean pain won't exist. It doesn't mean suffering won't exist. It just means that we don't have to force it upon ourselves for the purpose of somebody's written script for our life, whoever that somebody was, even if it's arbitrary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would love to see that change. And I think by having conversations like this, and just getting out there and being in the collective and communicating without fear and just being bold enough to say that this is, it is okay to get into your heart and feel your feelings and they are 100% valid and you can choose different today, not tomorrow, not Monday, not let me look at the calendar and start on April 1st because the stars will be up at this point. Like, no, like right now, if you don't feel good with a situation and you have the power to change it, you can make that choice today. Yeah. I, and I, I think t- it's an important message. Well, and it all goes back to that attachment, mm-hmm. right? Like this is where we have to learn to create new attachments with our emotions, with our past experiences and where those tend to get kind of muddied because 
typically when we feel something, it's not just what we feel in that moment. It's the 800 other times we've felt it because we yes. haven't really processed it. And even if we have, our body still remembers it. And so it's like, we've got so many layers that we, we have to start learning how to unattach ourselves from that idea of suffering or the idea that pain is bad or, or that idea that, um, you know, one emotion is worse than another, or that you can't feel something or whatever that is, because the more that you can get to know yourself in that relationship and just attach to what I like to call like just that self-compassion, grace, and self-understanding, like those things allow us to be more mobile through the challenges versus feeling that stuckness or that suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And when you talk about attachment, I initially go to like the different attachment styles and how that's formed from relationship with our parents. And, you know, we, we do kind of have to reparent ourselves in that process. And it sounds like your alone time really gave you that opportunity. But so in speaking to the people that can't necessarily go spend that time fully alone to embody that, that space to really form the secure attachment with self, with heart, with energy within the best way I've found to do that is through safe relationships with, with other people. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah. It, and, and being able to at least give yourself some alone time enough to where you can at least get quiet okay. to listen to your thoughts and understand your emotions, knowing that they are not this, that they are separate. And that one doesn't have to influence the other and that you can feel more without allowing the thoughts to make meaning out of what you're feeling. Mm. So I think one thing that I, for a fact, see all over the place, and I'm doing a masterclass on this in April, is the difficulty for people, especially high achievers and um, entrepreneurs and business owners, is being able to sit still and be quiet. They all hate it. They can't stand it. It's deemed unproductive. It's deemed a waste of time. It's expressed as feeling bored. Um, it's identified as not being able to, or I can't do it. And it's the best thing for any creative developer, writer, um, anything where you have to show up with a very present full bodied, you know, body. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because that's one thing that like needs to be taught in schools Sitting <laughs> with yourself, just sitting with yourself. I mean, I, every day will sit like, whether it's on my couch or in my bed and it's not before bed, it's, it's at a time that would most likely be the most uncomfortable. I don't pull out a book. I don't turn on music and I just sit there. I might look outside. I might pet my dog, but I'm just sitting and I'm just noticing it's not a meditation. It's not doing any of those things, which are all great and, and are important to do. But when we can sit and actually just be quiet, we get so much information. I love that advice. It's hard. It is I mean, I'm not even great at it, but I do it because it's valuable, you know, it is. And, and that, that will make your time in your tasks more productive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those high achievers that think that doing, 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 doing is more effective. It's actually creating less productivity and more burnout. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to transition because I initially brought you on here for boundaries, but I think that we could talk for hours about (laughs) all the things very easily. And I could probably go off on 5,000 rabbit trails. Like I really want to talk about your work with the children and how to teach this in schools and how to, I've got four kids of my own and I'm really working on teaching them mindfulness and just the ability to listen to their body and let it communicate instead of coming to me and saying, you know, fix this for me. Like, okay, well, let's talk about how, how this is making you feel and what you can do about this. So I, I love this conversation around, taking space, taking time, being still, learning everything about your, your, your being so that you don't have to seek out there on a solution for it. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but I do love the dialogue around it. Nobody is. I think that's the thing is like, you know, again, we all carry this innate kind of code in us, whether that's like 
perfectionist tendencies or people pleasing tendencies or overachieving tendencies. Um, there's like those rebel tendencies where you're pushing against everything and saying you can do it on your own. And there, there's those challenger energies or those hero energies, the ones that like wanna save it all and wanna do it all. And it's gotta be the biggest idea. So we have all of those. And when we get quiet, we're able to put all of that aside and know that we're still going to be successful, enough, worthy, deserving mm. without having to do any more. And we get lost in that outcome, the productivity, doing more, that we lose our sense of self in all of that. Mm -hmm. So when we can get quiet, it might feel the most uncomfortable but it's the most grounded opportunity to be with yourself and get to know you. Mm -hmm. And we end up, if we don't, using a relationship to get to know us. So then we start to create who we are based on that. We use our career to get to know us. So then we start to create who we are based on that. We use our children to get to know us. So then we base who we are on that. Constantly losing or creating like a bigger distance between who you're really supposed to be at your core and what you're meant to live in, meaning like who you're supposed to be and all of these titles and, and successes and things that you've created for yourself. Yeah. So in order to find your purpose, you really have to get into yourself and know yourself. Mm -hmm. Love this. Love mm -hmm. this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, you brought something to light in me that was so powerful during a recent um, I, I don't remember the title of it. So I'm sorry that I don't have that written down to be able to reference back. You can correct me, mm -hmm. but it was like a, an evening mastermind that you did for about an hour and a half with women. And we came together on zoom. Everything about that was great. You led a meditation that yes. got me into a space that I had not gotten to yet in work in a layer of the work that I'm working through that um, it was so profound and I just think that being able to have the gift of teaching people to be still, but you, you did a guided meditation through this and take us to a place. We all had different experiences. You said the exact same thing to a group of people. And we all had individual experiences that highly impacted our being. And for me personally, got to a layer that I hadn't been able to get to and brought to light something that was so impactful for me that I'm still working through. Like I'm still kind of like leaning into this. And I just, A, say thank you for holding space for us. Yes. And, yeah. And just being able to be that for people is so important. Um, and I also say that to just say out loud to whoever listens to this episode, even if it reaches one person and it makes a difference, that the being still and the going deeper will unpack those places to get you to see your core true essence of who you are. And not doing that work is what will create the suffering and the pain. And, and please just find the people you resonate with and go all in because yeah. it's life-changing. And I do think that there's seasons where the people that are in our life are there on purpose mm -hmm. and the right people work will cross our path. And part of my passion is um, finding that for myself. Like a, there's a little self-servingness to it, but also connecting that for other people and bringing into the awareness people that I think other people need to experience. And you're one of those. So I just wanted, I felt like that was a good time because we were talking about being still and learning who we are. Uh, and you brought up a good point that while I get all like excited about the idea that people should just choose to change when they're in a challenge, like it's not that easy. Like I legit know it's not that easy. It no, sounds great. It is so not. But there's so many layers of conditioning that we've been put through, not even just in our life, but in the generations behind us that have trained us up to be who we are today, that we really need to get in there and sit with ourselves and work through that. Um, and any of us who are mothers that have children that are, are lost in the motherhood, even working, non-working, whatever roles externally, um, it's doing a disservice to our children and future children if we don't do this work now, that we need to teach them and show oh, them yeah. this is important. 
there is such a calling, you know, I've said this so many times to, you know, at least for me, like I want to create a revolution where we are changing generational gaps. You know, like my parents are married. They have a great marriage. They will stay married forever. And they didn't parent me badly by any means, but I didn't get some of my needs met that I didn't even know I had until I started this work. But because I didn't know I had them, that's what led me to the other relationships that I sought out in my life, to the way that I stung back in friendships when things didn't work out the way that I had plans, to the way that I would you know, quickly shift and pivot and move instead of just sit with it for a little bit longer. All of that was my way of responding to those attachments and those interactions. And it, and just like you said, I mean, this has been a gosh, um, since 20, when I got, you know, separate 2016 until today, and it's going to be ongoing of me getting, you know, my own coaching and my own therapy. The last five years were very intense for me. I was pretty heavy into it. And now I'm, you know, I've got two business coaches. So I'm kind of focusing on more of my work and how to grow and build and share in the ways that feel best for me there. But if you don't right, like, obviously this is coming from a personal growth junkie. Somebody believes in mindset work, but it's like, if you don't recognize that you have an opportunity to level up and that you want that for yourself because you want your family and your kids and your sisters and brothers to see you doing that and bring them with you, then you're just going to stay stuck in this very complacent part of your life. That is not what you were meant to do. And this is where I'm such a firm believer. Like I've found my faith again over the last few years. It's been all over the place just because again, being raised in the church left me this very hard line on things. And I just, I know for a fact that like God created for all of us to have such a bigger step in our walk on this earth than what we're actually taking. And my job is to take those blinders off of these people and throw on their like air maxes and give them the cutest running outfit or whatever that is. And they are going to like move because that's what I know is so possible only because of everything that I've gone through. And now what I see for myself, I mean, that's what over this last year led to me, you know, coming out to Kansas for a month to start working on this RV, you know, like I, I was ready to do something different. I want to, I'm not afraid to live out on the road with myself and two dogs and I'm not afraid to go try new things. And I'm not afraid to, you know, figure out how to back up a trailer with a tra- I haven't even done any of this stuff. You know what I mean? But this is all a part of me being able to use my experience to empower more people to do the same. Love, you know? love it. I love the work you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Thankful for your energy. Ah, thank you so much. (laughs) All right. You brought up the RV life. So you're right now in the process of transitioning into hopefully going mobile. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So, um, so my, my brother and sister-in-law and their four kids have been full-time RVing for the last eight months already. And so I have met up with them several times And every time I leave from seeing them, my heart says, what are you going home to? I'm not married. I don't have children. I have a job that I can work from anywhere as long as I've got great Wi-Fi. And you want to be out of the box. You know, like this is the biggest out of the box opportunity that you could ever take. So, um, So my friend uh, had an RV that I was going to buy from her. She's in Kansas. So I came out here and we, she's an artist. She's amazing. So we were going to just like renovate and demo this whole thing. It was going to be pink and orange. And I mean, it's just going to be beautiful. And what ended up happening was this last week, uh, the weather finally cleared up for us to work on it and um, sent some pictures to my dad and my brother And they immediately like wrote back with like massive red flags. So um, what's happened is the RV that we have, like it's delaminated pretty bad, meaning the outside is not sticking to the inside anymore. And those are just like 
super costly and not worth the money coming from how old this one is. So I had a cry fest. I was pretty, I was, I, I think what I realized in that moment when I, you know, I ended up calling an RV guy, sent him some pictures. He definitely confirmed that like how old this camper is. It's not worth the money. Um, and what my heart told me was this really is something that I want to be doing. It's not like a Brianna running away from being by herself longer. It's not these old habits that I used to have. Um, my mind tried to convince me like, what the hell were you thinking anyway? Like you could never do anything like this, right? Our, but I'm aware of that. And that's the piece that this gets to be practice for me of is that whenever, you know, and for the listeners, like whenever we find ourselves between that rock and a hard place, or when that shoe has dropped and you weren't even prepared for it, your mind wants to take you into making you wrong for all of it. And I got to pull myself in to like really feel it all. And had I not done all of my own work, I would have never been able to have that experience. It would have all been up here and I would have been pissed and I would have, you know, gone home thinking this is never going to happen now. So although I'm, you know, going back to South Carolina with no trailer, I know that there's just a bigger opportunity for me in all of this. So um, I have some potential plans in place. I'm not going to say them out loud yet because I don't really even know. It's more of like my brain's coming up with things. Um, But I will be on the road by the end of the year. Feeling the feelings and processing through that hurt. So. Oh, it sucks, but it's so necessary. I know, I know. And I mean, let's be honest. I ate some pizza and wings. (laughs) I had a beer and I might've had a piece of cheesecake. So I'm really good at using food as part of my like grieving process, but I'm aware of it and I watch it all. But I just, you know, I mean. Great segue into setting healthy boundaries. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So yeah, um. Okay, so this conversation is absolutely setting my heart on fire. I love it. There's so many good little nuggets in here that I can't wait to listen back to and pull from. Um, So boundaries. The reason I want to talk about boundaries is because in my home life, uh, I've got, there's six of us in my house and a dog and a bunny. Mm -hmm. There's always somebody in space, in Mm -hmm. in everybody's space, not just mine, but each other's and, and that personal boundary line often gets crossed by everyone. So it's a big pain point in my, in my specific life as it pertains to human interaction. Mm -hmm. But in thinking about boundaries and the way that it pertains to any relationship, including business, clients, um, even social media boundaries, like boundaries themselves are so relevant in every single aspect of our lives And I think having a conversation around them is important because it can be applied to everybody's situation, whether I'm having to set boundaries with my dog, with my children, or with a colleague, or with my time on social media, everything about them is still the same. And part of where I'm really passionate about boundaries is the self-honoring piece. Don't set boundaries for yourself even, then you're going to go into those patterns mm-hmm. and repeat history in negative ways. So yeah, so I would like to talk to you about boundaries, how you coach around them, what you, what your tips and advice is around boundaries, and then maybe one or two practical things that we can apply immediately to do, do better at them. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think the piece about boundaries that needs to be acknowledged that might hit a couple people's egos and be like, ah, how that kind of hurts is that most people who have a hard time setting boundaries have a codependency issue. And that's just across the board relationships, work, uh, you know, your health, uh, communication, anything. And so typically when we have a hard time setting boundaries, it comes from a place of this learned behavior that we've again had as a kid around not wanting to rock the boat, how it makes you look, wanting to avoid conflict, wanting to be that rescuer or saver, whatever that is, those perfectionist, you know, all of those titles that we talked about earlier. So when I work with my clients specifically on boundaries, typically around work, 
um, because when they come to me, they are either at the point of burnout or exhaustion or already have gotten there and they want to do business better, um, is I have to look at their fears first because typically our fears will drive the action that we take so that we're protecting ourselves from that potential, you know, what if, or that potential pain that we're deeming may or may not happen. So I have a process of questions that I'll ask my clients around those sort of, you know, those fears. Mainly what I like to get under is what their fears are trying to convince them of. Because if we can get clear on that, now we know what's really actually happening because it's not about um, what they're wanting. It's about what they're protecting themselves from the potential of happening or the risk of happening. Um, So that's the first step. The other thing that we do is I really like to get them to understand their needs and wants. So a lot of people in business get all of their needs met through their business. Right. A lot of people get all of their needs met through their relationship or through their children or shoot through their friends. Right. So I want them to get clear on what are their actual needs one and how are they being met in their business? What are they doing in order to meet that need so that we can start setting more personal boundaries around how they can meet their needs first through themselves and then take that into their business. I can see how that could apply to you in um, nutrition and yeah. healthy eating patterns and emotional eating and all the things that go along with that. I just immediately saw the kitchen when you brought that up and how relevant that is. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, food meets a lot of our needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so after we've done that, like a couple of practical things that I'll have them do is um, just like we talked about earlier, I'll have them first start by setting a timer, like for maybe three times during the day that goes off as a, as a check-in. What am I doing right now? What am I thinking right now? What am I avoiding that I might actually need for myself? And how am I feeling? I just want them to start coming back into the present and get connected to their body. The other thing, and, and, you know, that one's really funny too. Because um, for my clients who are real estate agents, you know, those guys work not so hours anyway. But one of the things that I have them do that they always hate me for is turning their phone onto like an automated response by like 6 p.m. and putting the phone away so that they can be present with their family. Because they're that industry, all of them say at the same time, like, I miss out on so much with my family because I'm constantly on my phone on calls and stuff like that. So I think that's a huge piece of boundary is you, you know, when we were chatting off, um, off air was like setting some time management goals and boundaries that are doable, but they're going to be stretchy and uncomfortable because we've deemed in this business and entrepreneurial world, like that success equals you got to do it all. Mm-hmm. I don't do it all and I'm successful. So I want to change that narrative for them. You can take time off and your business is still going to make money. You can travel or be with your family and your business is still going to make money. It's just about figuring out what you need to put into place in order to weave that in so that your business is sustainable. So that's like a big piece is doing like a, um, like an audit of where they're spending their time. Because really the reality is, is they're wasting their freaking time 10 other places anyway. Mm -hmm you know, scrolling through Instagram or, you know, sending emails that they could hire out to somebody or creating automated emails. It's just like, there's silly stuff that our time goes into that we do not pay enough attention to. Yeah. Yeah. That resonates. And I think those time blocks are really valuable Mm -hmm. in that same facet of like, if you set off a time block where you have XYZ time to get stuff done, don't do anything but that for that period of time. And then same with family. And if you tell, if the clients know the boundary, they're going to, if you tell them the boundary, like I'm not available from six six to nine every night, then they're going to be like, okay, I'll call you before seven or I'll call you before six. I mean, yeah. We train our relationships to interact with us, to react with us the way in which 
we want them to react with us. Now, our wants might be driven by old wounds or protective mechanisms if you're not aware of what you're doing, which is why mindset coaching or therapy is is a huge key to being in that balanced place. But we train. We train the way our business interacts with us, the way our dogs interact with us. See, they're not listening to me, but that's probably because I don't have their shot collars on. Um, but you know what I mean? Like we, that's, we train every relationship that we have and we forget that relationships just aren't our family, our spouses and our kids. It's our business. It's our clients. It's, you know, our neighbor, it's whoever you interact with. That's a relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's our job to know what we want and know what our needs are and establish that from the beginning. And just like every human being, we change. So we have to communicate when we've changed in order to make sure those boundaries and the shifts that we need in that relationship change with us. Communication. Yes, Yes. communication. Yeah, you can't set a boundary and not communicate it and you can't change your boundaries and not communicate it. Like if people don't know the boundary, they're not gonna be able to adhere to it. And no matter who they are, they are not inside the brain of the boundary setter. Yeah. Um, so how about the follow through the implementation, but then the follow through people push the boundary and now you're afraid. How do you fix that? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a twofold here. One is (laughs) if you haven't created enough self-confidence, self-respect and self-acceptance with inside, then you're constantly going to be walked all over. I don't have enough time. People always use me. Um, I, you know, I can't seem to, you know, make more money in this area, right? Cause you're undercharging. That's a boundary issue. You're giving your services away for free. You know, like there's so many, I just had this happen the other day. A woman sent me a message and was like, Hey, um, so, you know, I've been dealing with some things with my father and I don't really know how to respond to him. And I, it's just been so challenging. And do you have any advice for how to do blah, blah, blah. And I wrote her back and I was like, I would be happy to have a one-on-one, you know, 90 minute intensive call with you. Um, I can send you the link to sign up and pay. And I, I could walk you through this, you know, quickly, no big deal. And she never responded again. So it's like, right. But see, if, if the people pleaser in me came out, I wouldn't want her to be upset at me if I said that. So I would, I would have, I would have answered it. I would have given her all of this information that costs something to me. It's valuable, you know? So a piece of that implementation, when a boundary has been crossed is recognizing radically that you are the one that allowed the boundary to be crossed. So if you're being triggered by it, what do you want to do differently? How do you want to see this scenario um, look now that you know what it looks like? How would you want it to look different? What would you have done, right? Like do some self-assessment here and look at what you really wanted the outcome to be. Mm-hmm. And then it's about stepping into that place. Okay. So was it about saying yes to too many things? So I need to, you know, one boundary that is a constant Um, that I see across the board is like jumping the gun on things instead of saying, I'll get back to you tomorrow. It's the easiest response instead of saying yes or no. I, can I give you 24 hours before I let you know so that you can actually get quiet, think, and really connect to what, what, you know, this is for you, if it fits or doesn't. Um, So I think that's a huge piece is just slowing it down looking at what you wanted it to look like and then giving yourself more time are probably two of the big ones when it comes to like those boundary crossing things. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear a lot of rinse and repeat, like do it again. And when things don't go right, go back to the drawing board, yep. evaluate, do it again. And don't beat yourself up. Right. Cause our mind is going to make us the failure, the worst enemy, the one that did it wrong, we're smarter than this. But again, our mind wants to take us to a place that has us checked out of our emotion and what we actually need. So it's that rinse and repeat and be 
led by your heart's intention versus what your mind is telling you you need. Because our mind is typically, our, our mind gives us great information and is an awesome ally to remind us like how far we've come um, and what we used to think or what we used to do. But our mind is never going to take us to that next place. It's always going to be from, you know, the heart. I love that picture of the mind being more like the logical thinker and the heart being the, the forward motion with it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, thanks for telling me that. I remember when I used to believe it, but go crawl under a rock. This is what feels really good to me, you know? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like, that's so funny. I used to think that way. I don't anymore. Yeah. Changed. Sweet. Well, thank you for talking boundaries with me. I feel like we've we well covered the subject around the, the dangers in it, like not protecting our time leads to a lot of disruption and chaos. Um, time management is a big piece of that and making sure that we communicate it and then get ahead of it by evaluating the issue that causes us to be afraid to set boundaries. I think that's huge. And that might re- require more work either in therapy or with a coach to kind of unpack some of those things. Like if somebody's really having a hard time setting boundaries, you might not be able to tackle that on your own. You might need a little help with that yeah, to get through. Time. Yeah. I know. Um, I know. Yeah. And yeah. I definitely have learned by listening to my mind and beating myself up um, and then learning how to get into my heart. It had taken way too long where if I would have just hired a coach five years ago, I could have fast forwarded through the process. Uh, But my ego is like, no, I can do it by myself. That's it. Like, or the, or the ego's like, you know, you deserve this anyway, or whatever, you know, like I deserve to suffer. Yeah. I literally, when we moved into this house that we live in, I was ready to hit the control alt delete button with this is the boundary. And this is so trivial, but family of six, we have two bathrooms, three of my children are girls. And I, right now they're little, like the oldest is only 13, but she's now to the point where she's like, leave me alone in the bathroom and I'm going to be a while, Yeah. but we've got twins in there too. And so they're on top of each other all the the time. So I made a very clear boundary that the children do not cross into my bathroom. Yes. They have a bathroom. This is the master bedroom. The boundary is this. You do not belong here. Children do not belong in my bathroom. And it's not because I am so incredibly worthy of having this princess bathroom. That's not the point. The point is I am allowed to have a space where I don't have to trip over kid belongings or worry that they're going to invade my private time. It's such a valuable thing. And kids have to be taught these things because they don't, they lived in my womb. They don't know what it's like to be apart from me. I have to teach them. So the boundary got crossed. And so going back to reteaching the boundary has been a really big challenge in my family because I seem to be the only one that values the boundary. And so this is Mm -hmm. my husband and I have talked about this. I told him I'm going to be using this as an example going forward a lot in conversation because I think it's just, it's silly when I say it, but it's so powerful about the importance of setting and sticking to a boundary, regardless of how trivial it might seem. Like they're laughing about it. Like uh, we need to use a sink. Say too, like this is, this isn't even about a boundary. This is about you respecting me. Correct. And that's the piece that like, I love parents to teach to kids is, are, are you acting out of respect or are you acting out of disrespect for what I asked for? Because there's no arguing against it. It's one or the other. Mm-hmm. And then if they, if they're, you know, honoring that and saying, well, I, I was acting out of disrespect. Okay. So, wow. And I, I love, love, love this question. I, I've, my therapist had me asking this in some of my relationships, but that hurts me when you disrespect me. Do you mean to do that on purpose? Like, do you mean to hurt me? Right. You know, cause it's like, no, your kids don't mean to hurt you, nor does your husband or anything like that. So it allows this time to sink in and build up that empathy of like, okay, well, I've got to do something different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then the retraining takes place of like, okay, now it's a, 
process of reminding and going through the steps, like you've crossed my boundary, you need to come back across the line. Remember we talked yeah. about respect. Let's go back here and re- just rinse and repeat at that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's why it's become such a thing. And for me, I had to learn how to even set the boundary and I was mm-hmm. re- a really bad communicator. So this has all been like growth and learning and so much yeah. fun, but I know I'm not alone in this and that other people experience no. it too. Not at all. I totally agree. I, that, that, this is one of those things that is like a constant work in progress. Awesome. I love this conversation about boundaries and we covered so much ground too about getting into ourself and our presence. Yeah. And I got to share with you my heartfelt thank you for teaching me more about myself through that guided meditation. Um, before we go into my kind of last question of the evening, which everybody gets to answer on my show, I'd like to know what the program is that you're going to be launching soon and what you have going on in the works now and how people can work with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you're listening to this and you're still in March, then, um, I have my second round of the 30 day mindset makeover that starts April 5th. Um, And it's a four-week program where we are looking at, I'm guiding you through identifying your limiting beliefs, uncovering and understanding your core values and why those play a role in the choices that you make, reframing your thoughts. It's not just changing your thoughts. It's, it's, very specific ways of reframing them. And then uh, the fourth week we do integration and hot seat coaching so that I can help you tie in all three into your daily life. So um, last round I had online coaches, I had engineers, I had uh, two doctorates that's are, that are in their, you know, currently in their schooling. Um, this time around, I've got several artists in there, yoga teacher, another coach. So it's, this isn't about where you're at in your business or in your life. It's really about recognizing that we all carry mindset barriers and blocks that are holding us back from that next level. So if you are someone who is really ready to take that next step in your relationship and your career and life, then this is a great baby step in that way to start understanding yourself on a deeper level. Um, Beyond that, I have a couple of master's classes that I'm teaching. One is going to be on silence and stillness. Um, and that'll be April 12th. Uh, and then I have a couple of programs coming down the line for specific online coaches that I'm collaborating with a business coach on to do business strategy and mindset strategy combined. Oh, awesome. um, that'll be happening. Cool. That April um, program, is it a mastermind or is it a 30-day... It's just 30 days. Yeah. It's just a small program. Yeah. It's not intimate. You can go back and watch the videos on replay. You have access to them lifelong. Um, and yeah, so it's a, it's a, everybody, I had 17 men and women in it last time. And each one of them left with some big ahas. One changed her job within a week after she was done. And a couple of others did some other really big things in their life too. So it's, it's powerful. Yeah. And that sounds like a lot in 30 days. So it's, um, short and sweet and gets you right where you need to be rather than there, long and drawn out. A, yeah. This is a no BS thing. Like you have homework the day after, you know, the day of my teaching and you've got seven days to get it done. So it's not about sitting and thinking it's about putting things into play, self-assessing and really using that short period of time to get to know yourself so that you can take massive action right away. Great. Okay. So people can find you on Instagram at Brianna Morse. Is that Brianna right? Or Morse. Yep. Is on Instagram and Facebook. It's Brianna Morse. Um, and my website is Brianna Morse.com. And I will link all of that in the show notes. So to finish out, I would like okay. for you to share with us, what is it about you that makes you uncommon? <laughs> yeah. So let's see, I'm uncommon because I'm very I'm like the rule follower, cerebral, like everything's got to be by the book. But if you look at me, I've got tattoos everywhere and I've got this other piece of me where I've got like crystals and tarot cards and, you know, all of these meditation pillows. I have all of this 
stuff over here that doesn't make sense in the cerebral brain. But somehow I have managed to combine those things together to make what I think is a pretty kick-ass chick. So that's what makes me uncommon. Love, love that answer. And that's why you resonate with me so much. (laughs) (laughs) And I think our souls collided on purpose. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the Uncommonly Made podcast. I look forward to seeing you in the future all around the social media world and hopefully in person one day. Yes. Travels. I would love that. Thank you, Carrie. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Uncommonly Made podcast. To show your support, please like, subscribe, share, and or review the show. You can find me on Instagram at csavaya on Facebook at carrie.savaya, on Clubhouse at csavaya. There, I moderate rooms during the week on a variety of topics around well-being and healthy lifestyle habits. And you can go to the website at www.uncommonlymadewellness.com. There, you'll be able to link to services and online programs. Your story matters. If you have interest in being featured as a guest on this show, feel free to reach out. On Instagram and Facebook, there's links to an online questionnaire. All contact information is also located in the show notes. You can catch another episode of the Uncommonly Made podcast next week. Until then, be well. Mm -hmm.